Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. Today we're going to talk about the holy habits that would lead to greater intimacy with Christ. A holy habit is something you do because you want to, and not because you have to. It comes from a heart motivation of sincere interest to draw near Christ, and not out of any sense of religious obligation. Holy habits lead to a lifestyle of abiding. The closest word in the Bible to the concept of lifestyle is the word anastrophe. It means the manner of life or daily conduct. The daily lifestyle of abiding would include time in the Word of God, prayer, praise, and worship, all in a way that includes direct contact and intimacy with Jesus. For now, let's break down each of these areas one at a time and really look at them through the lens of what the lifestyle of a holy habit of abiding would be. It was fascinating for me to research what the Bible had to say about praise and worship. I learned something interesting in the preparation for this particular episode. When I looked up the Strong's Concordance for the words praise and worship, I discovered that there are over 170 different Greek and Hebrew words for praise, and there are 168 different Hebrew and Greek words for worship. I looked at each word and their definitions categorically, and I learned that what praise really means in the Bible is to speak or sing in complete agreement with God. It is reminding ourselves and God who he says he is, what he's promised, and what he desires from us. Some of the specific words had definitions like to fully consent, agree with, confess, admit, acknowledge, give thanks, sing praise. When I looked at the definitions for the words for worship, I learned that it was all about heart posture. Specific word definitions included to fall down, prostrate, supplicate, position yourself to honor and respect, pay reverence, surrender, obey, humility, respect. So combining the notions of praise and worship, you get a surrendered, humble heart posture that agrees with God. It would require peeling off of the onion layers of all that's self in favor of what God says and desires for us. When I was really pondering that, it occurred to me that the very greatest level of praise and worship for us would be to lay down our lives enough to live out our Jeremiah 29 plan that God has for us, to agree with God in such a surrendered way that we actually align ourselves with God's will for ourselves and our callings. Now let's look at what would happen if we applied these two words in this definition to how we read the Bible and pray. There are over 33,000 denominations of Christianity worldwide. This is because most people are trying to understand the Word of God with their heads and not their hearts. People divided over what they thought the scriptures were speaking about and just broke off into another denomination. The Lord spoke through approximately 40 writers of the Bible to produce 66 books covering more than 5,000 years of time. But there is only one true author of the Word. It was the Holy Spirit that inspired every writer, and it is the Holy Spirit that ensures that each translation throughout the years would maintain the messages that the Lord had trusted them to carry. 
The Lord lives in the hearts of believers, not in their heads. The 33,000 denominations divided over interpretations of the word, some minor and some major. But the one you want to ask what the word means is the author directly. God himself knows what he meant by each scripture verse. And since we have direct access to the Father because of Jesus' work on the cross, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can ask him directly. But we must have a heart posture of humility to receive it. We can't begin with what we think the scripture means. We need to ask him. His thoughts are higher than ours. And he knows what he meant when he wrote it. If praise means that we need to agree with God, then it makes sense that we should go to him directly so we're sure what we're agreeing with. We should always meditate on the word, surrender your mind to the greater wisdom of the Holy Spirit by sanctifying your mind and allowing the Lord to illuminate the meaning of scripture. Our last category of holy habits is prayer. If we have a surrendered heart posture of humility and gratitude, and allow the Holy Spirit to clarify the truth for us in the Word of God. Our prayers should be speaking in agreement with God's will, according to His interpretation of the Word of God, and what He has spoken directly to us in our hearts. Always begin your prayers from God's perspective. Most people begin their prayers from their own perspective. They ask God to do what they want Him to do, and maybe even go as far as telling Him how He should do it. God is not a genie where you can simply tell him what to do. That's just not how it works. Isaiah 55, 11 reminds us, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it barren sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless, or without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. This is what Jesus had to say about combining these five areas of praise, worship, prayer, reading the word of God, and spending time with him. Each of these activities are a form of fixing your eyes on me. When you are looking at me, you change into a more Christ-like version of yourself, little by little. And when you fix your eyes on me, you actually change me. My heart is moved to bless you when you include me, spend time with me, and obey my voice. Give me your first fruits, even before you open your eyes, while you're still in the twilight of waking up. Welcome me. Thank me. Remind me who I am and that you know who you are. It honors me when you prioritize me first. Gazing is a long look and glancing is a short look. When you spend time praising, worshiping, reading the word of God, or just plain spending time with me, you're gazing. When you rush off to do your own thing and speak to me only when you feel like you need something, you're glancing. The lifestyle of abiding is a gazing lifestyle. It is a prioritizing of your time, your treasure, and your talents to align yourself with my will. When your eyes are fixed on me in all of the ways above, you are agreeing with who I am, and it moves me to want to bless you. Surrendering your heart and all areas of self will never be a loss because I give back my power and my love. 
It is the stuff of all that I am that washes over you when you surrender. Read the word of God with me, and I will give you wisdom from heaven to understand it. Together we will make it come alive for you and help you navigate the waters of your life. Come to me for your wisdom and discernment related to the word. I wrote it after all. I know what I meant when I said it in the first place. The key to the holy habit of the lifestyle of abiding is remembering I'm there. Include me in every area of your life. One of the things that I have found that will really help understand how to do what Jesus just asked us to do is to see Jesus in three separate ways. We want to see Jesus in us. We want to see Jesus with us. And we want to see ourselves in Christ. To see Jesus in you, you need to connect with him in your spirit. This is exactly what we do with all of the Jesus experiences that are facilitated in this podcast. Tuning to the flow of spontaneity in your spirit, fixing your eyes on Jesus, and experiencing and encountering him in a spiritual place. Ephesians 3, 16-19 describes this well. May he grant out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled through your being unto the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. When you encounter Jesus in your special place, you are tapping into Jesus in you. You are establishing a spiritual home base where you can always know that Jesus is there. Picturing him in the special place allows him to speak directly into your hearts with words, pictures, emotions, music, creative ideas, all while directly encountering him face to face. This is how you build memories with the indwelling triune God. The verse just mentioned emphasizes that experiencing the truth of God is absolutely critical for you to connect with the knowledge of the fullness of God. Most people simply keep God at a distance, seeing him as a very faraway God that couldn't possibly have the ability or interest to have any sort of personal connection with us. But the word of God is clear that that's the entire reason that he sent Jesus to die for us on the cross, to bring us directly into contact with him so we could walk with him one day at a time. This level of intimacy is one of the reasons that Jesus was sent to die on the cross for us. He said once to me that when people ignore him and don't realize how close he is, it grieves his spirit and nullifies the work of the cross. So take advantage of these podcast encounters and build memories with Christ that's in you. And remember, once you know how to do it, you do not need me to guide you through it. Just go to your special place and see him yourself directly. 
The second way is seeing Jesus with you, realizing that you are partners and you can do everything together. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am persuaded beyond doubt, am sure, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are 18 Bible verses that promise that God will never leave or forsake you. The key lesson here is realizing that you and Jesus are partners. You and Jesus are a team. He will always be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. When I was researching the name of God, Bridegroom, I was surprised to learn that not everyone who makes it to heaven is the bride of Christ. Marriage is an intimate partnership. By using this name of God, the Lord is saying that there is a level of partnership and trust that is what he is looking for for every member of the body of Christ. In Revelation 3.21, it says, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Married couples are partners. They see each other, do things for each other, are there in sickness and health through thick and thin. Jesus is with you, standing next to you, side by side. You are never alone. Practice imagining him there with you. See him face to face. You can either do this in your spirit or you can actually try to imagine him with your natural eyes. Look for him next to you in the car as you're driving. Imagine that he's always sitting right next to you and talking with you. I remember once the Lord and I sat cross-legged face to face and played the most elaborate game of patty cake I had ever played. No two moves were the same, yet we were in perfect sync. With claps and finger snaps and elbow bumps and fist bumps, we were laughing our heads off. It was great fun. The Lord had nicknamed me Patty Cake a couple of years before I even had this experience. I thought it was just a sweet pet name. But this game highlighted for me that this was not just a pet name. It was a message about my identity. Jesus was showing me that he wanted us to be in perfect sync. And he wanted us to have fun. And he wanted me to know that he saw me as somebody able to do that. And that's why he named me Patty Cake. In the Hebrew culture, things and people were named by the experiences that were relevant at the time and place when they were born. Pay attention to the pet names that he calls you. If he calls you child, he wants you to be childlike with him. If he calls you beloved, he's talking to you as though you are his bride. I shared a story about Zach in another podcast, and on the first time he ever journaled, the Lord named him River, and he thought he was doing it wrong, but he was basically saying, I see you as a man fully swimming in the river of living water. It was really cool, and he is. The third way is to see yourself in Jesus. That's the heart posture of releasing the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 13, 14 says, But clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about evil cravings in your physical body to gratify its desires and lusts. 
Clothing is an outer garment. So if you imagine yourself inside Jesus, then you're going to have the positional awareness of what he's seeing, what he's hearing, feeling, sensing, thinking. Seeing yourself in Christ helps position you to release him in the world. The Lord explained this to me with a Superman metaphor. He said, I am God Almighty. You can't borrow my might. You can't muster up my strength. All you can do is put on my strength like a garment. Allow me to be your strength. Allow my strength to flow through your willing vessel. Consider Superman. To the naked eye, Clark Kent was an average, awkward man. He drew no special attention when he walked down the street. He was like every other ordinary person on the planet. No one knew that he was the prince from an otherworldly kingdom or that he had superhuman powers. But when those powers were needed, Clark stripped off his regular clothes to reveal that he was really covered with the superhero garment. There was a special place where Clark learned wisdom from his father, and he spent much time there preparing for the responsibility of using his powers for good and combating evil. When Clark wore the clothes of his true nature, he displayed superhuman strength and abilities to the world. When evil was afoot, he knew exactly what to do. He performed miracles that blessed many people. Your superhero clothes are already there underneath the surface. This is my indwelling spirit in you. Let the world see them and I will do miraculous things through you. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 clarifies that in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts and deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We are princes and princesses of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Strip off your old garment of your former powerless self and reveal the superior, godly, supernatural one, just like Clark Kent does when he shows himself as Superman. If you are a believer in Christ, you are Superman or Superwoman. When a believer prays with the heart of faith, miracles happen. Just like Superman, these miracles often defy the physical laws of nature. Cancer simply disappears Rain falls in the middle of a drought to stop a fire. Sight is restored to the blind. People are raised from the dead. People speak in unknown languages and souls are saved for eternity. God does miraculous things through those who surrender their will to the compassionate will of the Father. When you see yourself in Christ, you are able to tap into God Almighty and have all the might and strength you need to release whatever the Lord would have you to release. Clothe yourself with the strength and righteousness of God, and you can do miraculous things. To clothe yourself in the Lord is to literally see yourself in his skin, superimposed over you so that you can see through his eyes, hear through his ears, think his thoughts, feel his feelings. This is a true spiritual positioning of the born-again believer. The fact is, you are already in him. This is actually the true spiritual reality as part of what was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. The Heavenly Father looks at you and cannot see your sin or your imperfections. Instead, He sees Jesus' perfection covering you like a garment. 
Seeing yourself unified with Christ immediately reframes your circumstances. You're able to see things from his perspective. Then you can agree with that reality when you see it. And that's what has the power to change your mindset. And when your mind is changed, your behavior and your body will change as well at the cellular level. Your soul is healed and your body changes. All right, so let's ask the Lord to put this all together. What does it look like for a person to live the abiding lifestyle? Let's look at a day in the life of somebody living this abiding lifestyle. And Jesus said, Even before you are fully awake, thank me and praise me for the day. As you get ready for the day, listen and sing along to praise and worship music. Or read the Bible, imagining yourself with me, reading it with you. Also, you can go to the special place and play with me just for a few minutes. This doesn't take long for you to get filled up in the Spirit. Talk to me about the concerns you have for the day. Imagine me with you alongside you and chat with me about the concerns that you have. Ask me to give you a list of tasks or priorities for the day. And go about your day imagining me alongside you. Have conversations with me in the car. Obey the promptings of my voice as I highlight people or concerns in your heart. Ask me to help you solve the problems that you're having throughout your day's challenges. If you face a difficult conversation, tune to the word and tune to me and ask me about it. Step into my skin and look through my eyes so you can gain my perspective on the issue. If your day doesn't seem to go the way you expect, remember that it's my day and you are living your life through me and nothing surprises me. So tune to me often when things go unexpectedly. When people call and need your time or prayer, remember, I had them call you. They are not a disruption. They are your assignment. You will reflect me well when you stay tuned to me and sense those things as they happen. At the end of the day, reflect on how the day went. Confess and repent anything that didn't go quite as well as you had hoped. Thank me for how I showed up for you and what you learned today. Spend more time in the word or praise or worship. And then before bed, pray to ask me to show up in your dreams for restorative sleep. And thank me for the blessings of the day. The key to the abiding lifestyle is to welcome and include me. Do things with me, not for me. And remember, you and I are partners in this life. It's time for our Experience Jesus section. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. Okay, we will call today's encounter, It's Take Our Lord to Work Day. In today's encounter, the Lord Jesus will be your ride-along partner for your day. You will go through an entire day with Jesus. So in today's encounter, we will not start off in the special place. We will start off in your regular life. Using the suggested tips that Jesus just gave you, I want you to imagine Jesus with you, in you, and in him throughout the day of your regular day, all day long. So choose a day this week to do that. 
prepare your heart properly with prayer and worship, even the night before, before you wake up to do it. And you will do your entire day with Jesus. You'll have lunch with Jesus. You'll have conversations with Jesus. You'll ask him how things are going throughout the day. You'll seek his counsel on things. You will spend time playing with him in this special place as a heart posture and even as an energy booster when you need to have your spirit filled back up in the middle of the day. And then at the end of the day, you and Jesus will talk about how you did. And if that day was slightly different or very different because of your increased consciousness and sensitivity to Jesus being with you, let him truly talk to you about that experience and record the entire thing in your journal and take all the time you need to really process what it meant to practice the holy habits of praise and worship, prayer, reading the word of God, and doing it all directly with Jesus. I pray that that experience opens your eyes to how easy it is to include Jesus in your everyday life in so many holy habit ways that you can see immediately how transforming that is, how much more peace, love, hope, faith, and strength and energy you have by including him more consciously. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.